I want to draw your attention about um, a subject that I feel very strongly about. Um, when Pastor Tony, we, we've made some, a lot of changes as Pastor Joe, uh, God transitioned him out and then uh, God allowed Pastor Chris to come on the scene. We had some different changes we made in our positions as pastors. One of them that we were looking at is the area of um, outreach. And we have a strong desire of breaking down uh, our church in different ways. In other words, different categories, if you would. Where, what are we trying to accomplish as a church? And outreach was one of those strong points. And uh, we prayed about which one of us felt led to take that and take it to the next level. And I feel so passionate, I couldn't get away from it. I said, Pastor Tony, I really like to take that area and really start running with it. And then I got discouraged because, uh, you know, that's one of the areas, family ministries and outreach ministries. And I started, you know, you get people coming and going and helping with the stage. And I was working one night. And um, it was one of those nights that it started getting late. And, and I like it sometimes when I have a brain freeze. I can't think, where do I go from here? What, what, what's going to look right? What's going to be good? What do we do? What do we do? And I was sitting on the floor down here and I was cutting foam. And I'm thinking, God, I need some help. I don't know what I'm. And I was frustrated. And then I started getting mad because nothing made any sense. I'm like, what is this? We got to cover this up and jump up in the balcony and block in this way. And I'm like, what are we supposed, how am I going to build Israel and make a stage and people can see? And I'm just getting a bad attitude. It's just me and whatever imps were floating around in this church, you know. I was just getting really angry. And then it just hit me. Why am I doing this? Is it about foam? Is it about the script? Is it about you being in the play? What is it about? I am responsible and you are responsible in whatever area you're in to pave the clearest path you possibly can for the gospel to be presented. I have one job. is That is to basically try to bring to life the life of Christ. You hold a door, you have one job. To be a first impression that people don't walk in and go, why am I here? These are jerks. You have one job if you work the parking lot. And that is to make sure people feel comfortable from the time they pull in. And then you say, why do we have those, all those signs out there? There's a bajillion signs out there for everybody and their mother to be a guest. But I've been coming here for 45 years. Well, we want people to pull in. And feel so welcome that they don't feel like they have to look for a parking spot because we're paving a clear path for people to receive the gospel. Amen. It's not about me. It's not about the stage. It's about the people that are going to sit in that pew, that chair, and they're going to hear the gospel and they need to hear it clear and have nothing bothering them when they come. So, you have a job. All of us have a job on Easter. And I know we have life groups and people here and there and everywhere, but you're in here for a reason. You're in here for a purpose. And so I want to talk to you in a, a different sort of way uh, about your job. I, I wanted to be spiritual and call it fishing for men. And then I thought, I don't know, that is not me, you know? I mean, that's biblical. It sounds good. Then I figured we'll just call it gone fishing, like Andy Griffith would. We'll just call it gone fishing. And that's what we call it in Alabama. So we've gone fishing. We're going fishing tonight. You may not know how to fish for literal fish, but we're going to teach you, according to the Bible, how to fish for men. Because outside of the stage, outside of being usher, 
you have a responsibility to be prepared to present the gospel. This is going to do the job too. We're going to bring to life, again, the life of Christ. Pastor Tony is going to preach the gospel. But are you prepared to answer the questions of somebody in need that feels like they're suffocating, just could not get any air, spiritually speaking? They just feel like they're dying. Do you have the answer for them? A couple of weeks ago, I, uh, there was a young lady that came to our church, and I could tell she was really distressed, very upset. Asked her how she was doing. She just started crying and started telling me all the things she was going through and the problems she had. And I asked her a simple question. you feel like something's missing in your life? And she said, yes, I do. Something's missing, just empty inside, like I'm just dying. Almost like you just can't breathe. You just can't get above water if you would. And she received Jesus Christ, and that's what she was missing. Are you prepared to give the gospel? Let's go fishing for a little bit. I'm going to start over here in Matthew chapter 4, okay, in verse 14, uh, 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter. We're in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. What were they casting into the sea? Say it like you mean it. Come on, people. Thank you. Man, you got some energy over there. A net into the sea. For they were fishers. What were they? Man, you all are not. You just added one, but that sounded real good. Fishers, yes, fishers. But they are fishers a minute in a minute here. Verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Yes, fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brethren, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their what? Yeah, their father, and followed him. And then verse 23, we see what happens when they followed him. Jesus begins to preach in Galilee and teaching in the synagogues. And he's preaching the kingdom, uh, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, all manner of diseases and problems. Let me tell you something. When you can get somebody off of the, get their mind off of their physical problems, Jesus knew you they'll focus on their spiritual needs. People come here all the time with physical problems. They have emotional problems, mental issues, and they're just looking for an answer. And I love how Jesus uh, answers their, their needs. So look at who was left behind, though, before we go to any further. You see the father stayed. I'm going to tell you right now, before we get any further, if you're going to go fishing, for men, not everybody's going to go with you. I mean, did Jesus just call the two brothers? He called everybody in the boat. But the father said, no, I ain't going. He said, I'm staying here. Now, it doesn't literally say that, but he chose to stay in the boat because he didn't want to get in the boat and follow Jesus. And I tell you, there are a lot of people that have a big heart and they, have a, 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 they seem to have a heart for Christ, but they don't seem to want to follow Christ in the area of witnessing. And telling others about Christ. Maybe they just don't feel confident. Maybe they're a little scared. Or uh, maybe they just had a bad experience. And they just don't know what to do. But either way. He challenges all of them to get out of the boat. So let's go on. All right, You ready? So they go and they're preaching. And he's presenting the gospel. So let's look at the master of soul winning. Jesus Christ. 
He's got his disciples. They're on their journey. They're witnessing. They're ministering. They're helping. They're feeding. People are getting their lives changed physically, spiritually, mentally. Everything's happening. But through it all, people keep on just popping up, trying to hinder the process. Throwing different things out there like the law. And you had the Pharisees interrupting like we see in the, in the, in the drama angry and mad and they're presenting different things to them to get their mind off of the true God, Jesus Christ. And they're trying to pull them away. So when you're fishing, obviously you have to have the right tools to go fishing. So I didn't bring my, uh, my uh, tackle box. I brought Christians. <laughs> See what he has. The devil is interesting. What he does is he wants to present to whoever he's trying to attract uh, an imitation. It's not the real deal. Are you all following me? Yeah, it's never the real deal. A Buddha is not the real deal. I don't care what Oprah said 10 years ago. There's not many avenues to heaven. There's only one way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, Muhammad's not the answer. I, I had a, somebody dropped off at the church in a taxi, and this Muslim was sitting there, and he was driving the taxi, and I came out, and I said, hey, man, if you get a chance, why don't you come out and join us? And he said, well, I'm a Muslim. I said, well, that's okay. You can still join us. We'd love to have you, you know? And he said, well, you know, I believe the same thing you believe. We, I said, no, you don't. He said, yeah, I do. I said, no, you don't. He said, we serve the same God. And I said, no, you don't. I said, I serve Jesus Christ. That's not the same God. Your God is not my God. I want to introduce you to my God, and I'd love you to experience what Jesus can do for your life. Let me tell you something. You know what he did? He swallowed a hook. He saw something that looked real good. All those virgins and all the corrupt ideas they have after they die. Perversion. See, you know, when you go through life, you're going to meet a lot of people. Like when I was in Tennessee, I had a girl in my Bible club, and she swallowed the hook of believing Buddha was the answer. And she received, received Jesus Christ, and she was a foreign exchange student, and had to go back and tell her parents that she's no longer a, a Buddhist. She spit out that, and she spit out the hook, and she accepted Jesus Christ and rejected this fake idea of religion, this idea, a false idea of truth. Are you all following me? So the devil, you know, he's very abrasive too. When he's fishing, it looks real good, you know? And those bass, when you're fishing, they, and you see that big old fish come by, and they're looking at it, and they're like, mmm. I could so eat that up, and you're thinking, please do. And you just dangle it in just the right way, and you're pulling it the right way, and you throw it back out there, and you try it again, and that hook is hit just right. And it may look like a worm, but it's really not a worm. It may look like a crawdad, but it's really not a crawdad. See, they think this is the truth, but this is not the truth. This is a lie. This is not a minnow. Because connected to that minnow is a hook, and that hook hurts. And when it sinks in, it pulls and tugs, and it's very difficult to get away because the devil's pulling as hard as he can to keep you coming. See, that's how he's fishing for men, with deception and deceit. The interesting thing about Jesus, though, is this. The Bible doesn't say anything about a hook. It, it doesn't say anything about a, a worm or some fake lure. It, it just mentions the net. You follow me? That net's gentle. You may not think so when, you know, maybe 
Nowadays, the way nets are made, but back then, the, jet was, the, the net wasn't an abrasive, uh, thorny-type thing with spikes and needles or anything like that. We don't have nets like that. If you do, that's a demented way. This is the way they would fish. They'd cast it out and gently pull them in. Take a lot of men sometimes to pull them in because we know uh, the fields are wider in the harvest. It takes a lot of people to go out there and pull them in. And Jesus presents the truth. He casts the truth out. And it spreads way out. You know what the devil is? He's got all his imps out there. And they're just centered in on different people. I mean, he's got different ones. Hey, he's got the, the imps from hell that are focused on lust and depression and anger and and, and pride, and he's trying to figure out different ways to pull us down and lure us in and pull us away from the things Christ has. But when it comes lost people, he knows what he's doing. He's fishing for men. But our job is to do it like Christ. So with that in mind, let's see how Christ was fishing for men. I think the best illustration for us to look at is when Jesus is with his disciples and he literally is about to show the disciples how to witness. But they kind of fade away because their attitude was wrong. Look at John chapter 4. Y'all ready? John chapter 4 and verse 4. You may have heard me say some of these things before, but just follow along with me. The Lord Jesus Christ is our supreme example in soul winning. Y'all with me? He is the one that's out to seek and to save that which is lost. And the Bible makes it very clear that he did it very, very well. And he shows us how to do it. One of the best stories in the word of God is found in the book of John chapter 4. I love it because there's compassion and there's drama and there's just something going on that, you know, you see today in people's lives. So for us to understand the best way to be a soul winner, a fisher of men and go fishing the proper way, we need to look at Christ. So let's check him out. Y'all ready? Y'all don't lose me now. I want you to follow me. I don't want, uh, uh, listen to this guy. Good night. I like that. Hey, tonight, I want to show you some things that you're going to go, that's weird. I, that was uncalled for. I don't like the way he did that, but I want you to start thinking differently, okay? Y'all ready? John chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, and he must needs go through where? Samaria. He says we must needs go through Samaria. He's with the disciples and he says, listen, there's a lot of different ways we can get to where we're going, but I want us to go through Samaria. And I don't care if you like it or not because y'all don't like the Samaritans. I know they're a mixed breed and you got an attitude and you think we're only going to reach these type of people, but there's other people we need to run into once in a while too that need Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Listen, this Columbus, Ohio is not Decatur, Alabama, where I grew up. It's not even close. The people are different. The attitudes are different. The environment's different. The streets are different. Everything's different. Y'all are faster. They're slower. Sometimes y'all are a little rude. They're like, y'all come. Go, get, get on. Get on, y'all. Things are different. Y'all like your own sweet tea. We like our sweet tea. But it seems to be catching on real fast around here with sweet tea. Everything's different. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter if it's the little town of Decatur, Alabama, or the big city of Columbus, there's a lot of people swimming around in their own little world wondering who's going to reach them. Y'all follow me? Amen. And just like this woman of Samaria, she's just all by herself. Check it out. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the porcelain of ground that Jacob gave to his 
uh, son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. So it's the middle of the afternoon. A woman's kind of going to show up in just a minute, but the sun is beating down. It's hot. She's wore out. She don't want to be there when the other women are there early in the morning because she's got a horrible reputation. She's kind of swimming in her own little world, if you would. Nobody understands where she's at. She's got a messed up life. She's done things in private nobody, can, nobody would forgive her for. But Jesus already knew what was going on in her life. So Jesus shows up. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Verse 7, Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. So let's slow down, okay? Follow me. I'm going to break this down as easy as I possibly can. If we're going to follow the master fisherman of men, we need to see how he did it. So step one, dive into the conversation. You like how I did that? Dive in. That's funny, right? Dive into the conversation. He dives into the conversation and begins to stir some things up. This was leisure conversation. This isn't anything deep, no pun intended. But this was a conversation where he is trying to get her to understand, I may look like, I I may be a Jew, and you've noticed my olive skin from a distance, but I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to talk to you. Hey, people want to know if you're going to look at them a certain way when they walk in that door on Easter Sunday. Or if you're just going to raise out, reach out your hand and say, hey, we're so glad you're here. We're not here to judge you. We don't care if you have a suit and tie on. You know, we, we just want you here. Amen. We're a family who wants to wrap our arms around you and love on you. And they come in, and this woman here, she sees Jesus, and Jesus immediately dives into this conversation and begins to talk to her and says, give me the drink. Leisure conversation. And then he does something else. After he breaks the ice a little bit here because the disciples are gone. They're not there. Remember verse 8? For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Jesus knew to get them out of there. They weren't ready for this. He's going to prepare them later. Jesus is working in this woman's life. They're so judgmental. They still have a, this Pharisee mentality. They're going to judge this woman because she's a Samaritan. Jesus jumps into this conversation. And then guess what he does next? Look with me. The very next thing he does in verse 9, he begins to cast the net. He dives into the conversation and then he casts his net. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? You know the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And then Jesus, in verse 10, just jumps right into it. He sees he's spreading Literally, he wants her to know, this is, you're safe with me. You can take comfort. I'm not going to be arrogant. I just, I just gently want to show you some things. And he starts spreading the net of love. And he's beginning to show her some things that she needed to desperately see. So go with me. As he cast his net, Jesus answered in verse 10 and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God... And who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. He's casting his net in such a way that he's showing her, hey, I'm not like the other guys. I've got something so special for you, you're you're not going to believe it. You You would ask for it immediately if you knew what I had. If you knew what I had in store for you, you would be blown away. 
And I know, I know we're, we're, we're the big time Jews. We're not, we're not usually in Samaria, but you, you're special. We're not talking about Jerusalem, Israel. We're talking about where you're at, what you're dealing with. She was an outcast among outcasts. She was already outcast in the sense she was a Samaritan. But she was a bigger outcast because she was a harlot. And she was doing things that everybody was turning their head and walking the other way and saying, she's disgusting. But Jesus embraces her with love and compassion. And look what he does. He presents a testimony. See, Jesus Christ, he said, whosoever drinks of the water that I shall, shall give drinks of this water shall thirst again, but the whosoever drinks the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He said, now he didn't have a testimony like we do of redemption, transformation. He has a, he has a testimony to show that that's what he brings to people. My life is redemption. My story is the son of God. I am the Messiah, as we see in a minute. He begins to proclaim his testimony of redemption. We, on the other hand, reach out by simply diving into a conversation with somebody in need, casting and spreading the net of love and compassion, and within that spreading of that net, we give our testimony. Now follow me. Don't lose me here. The most powerful tool you have is your testimony. Jesus' testimony was he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, he came to seek and to save that which is lost, he has the answer. Your testimony is what Jesus Christ did for you. Your testimony is simple. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you break down your testimony in such a way that anybody could understand it. What your life was before you met the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't mean you have to give all the nitty gritty details and you know you don't have to tell them everything you used to smoke and do. You just get to the point. Listen, before I met Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. You talk about depression. You talk about being the only fish in the fishbowl, out of place. Hey, hey, woman of Samaria, I know where you're at. Jesus knew because he's all-knowing. But some of you know where people are at. I met a woman this morning, one of our ladies that works in, uh, in, in Connecting Point, and she said somebody came up to her this morning and said to her, uh, he, well, first she noticed his arm was all wrapped, and he, she said, what happened? He said, well, I tried to commit suicide. And she said, oh, my. Oh, my. Let me tell you my story. And she told a very personal story about something that happened to her in her life with a suicide. And guess what? She was able to reach him through a testimony she had. It's telling them where you were before you met Christ. Your testimony is also doing this, how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a testimony. This is what I was before I came to Christ. This is how I met Jesus Christ. And let me show you now what's going on in my life now that I know Jesus Christ. That's a testimony. Every one of you have one if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you receive Jesus Christ, you'll have a testimony too. Mike Priest is not here tonight, but I remember when Mike came here. You know our guitarist? How many know Mike? When Mike came here talking about broken, going through some horrible situations, seeking an answer, never go to church. That's what people do when they're broken. They go to church because they needed somebody to fix them, and they think we're going to do it. We just show them the one that can do it. 
Man, people just need an answer. And then he received Christ, and now he has a testimony, and he's using his testimony to reach other people for Christ. You following this? So when you dive into your conversation, you break the ice, you begin to spread the net, cast that net forth with love and compassion in your testimony, and your testimony is so important. And then you take the next step, step four, start trolling to the truth. Now, if you don't know anything about fishing, you don't know what that means, trolling. How many of you know what I mean by trolling? You got a trolling motor. You got your big motor and you got your trolling motor. And you just turn it on real lightly and it just slowly pulls you along. You know, I want a boat so bad. Dave, buy me a boat. I want, yeah, you got the money. I want a boat. You know what I did? I got an engine before I got the boat. How dumb is that? But I'm pumped about my engine. But I told my wife, she said, well, I said, then I got to get my John boat and then I'm going to fix it up and then we got to get a trolling motor. Well, why do you need a trolling motor? You got our own motor. You don't get it. The trolling motor just kind of gets in those spots and it's not real fast. It's just what you need. You got to take things slow in some areas and da da da. And listen, it's the same way back then when they would fish. They'd throw those nets out and they'd have to troll and gather up the fish, but it was a process, and you have to take things slow. Some people are like, one, two, three, repeat after me, glory to God, we'll see you in heaven. What? What was that? It's like, hey, 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 repeat after me. And boom, 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 they leave the Holy Spirit out. Hey, they leave conviction and repentance. It's just, check, got another one, going to heaven. No, you don't. First of all, it's not you doing the work. You present the gospel. And you slowly allow the Holy Spirit to work in their life. Make sure they understand. And Jesus was slowly working in the life of this woman. Helping her to understand. He presented the gospel in such a way that he did it in slow mode. He had a troll and pull and prick. Don't you love how the Holy Spirit pricks your heart? Look at this. Verse, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thanks. The way, the truth, and the life. And what is it? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's a begin to reveal to her, if you're going to go this way, I'm going to show you the way to life. You just got to follow me. And he starts trolling and pulling her to the truth. Jesus, look at this now. He's the way, the truth, and life. Let's see how it works. In the book where we're at, John chapter 4 and verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five. <laughs> and, though, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that sayest thou truly. Well, if we're going to take this slow, why did he do that? What, what are we doing? Let me tell you something. Nobody can get saved unless they realize they're lost, a sinner. He said, I want you to get. You need something. You are not right. You are missing some crucial things in your life that's causing you to be sinful and corrupt. So he draws her attention to this. And then with this in mind, he starts strolling to the truth and he presents the gospel. When you give the gospel, when you give truth, you better know where you're going. You better know what you're about to say. Your testimony is so powerful, like Paul had. But the next step is making sure you don't leave out the gospel, the truth of God's word. 
I can give my testimony, but I better include the gospel. I better include scripture because I'm riding on my own if I don't. And this is very important right here to understand. You have to have some type of outline. I'm not saying an outline like you would preach from, but this is just a logical presentation of the gospel. In other words, where you got, you got to take them from point A to point B. You're slowly trolling and you're pulling them along. You don't want things to get confusing and then like, what? You don't want to jump over to Revelations and back to Romans. And you got to know where you're going. That's why you have things like the Romans road, you know. So we often will present the gospel in such a way that we realize, hey, Jesus said, you're a sinner. Did you see that? First thing he did. I mean, I love you. I love you. I'm here because I love you, but you're a sinner. And in just a minute, I'm going to show you how I can take the sin away. You see, he's got a process. He's got, a, he's got an outline, if you would. But not only that, you have to have scripture. You know, you, you cannot present the gospel without having the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Yes, know the gospel. Hey, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of Hmm. And all these verses have to coincide with your outline. Jesus loves you. What verse would go with that? John. Very good. Jesus loves you. All men are sinners. What verse would go with that? Very good. And when you find yourself studying the show of the self-approved, you're ready to present the gospel. You're ready to show your outline, your scripture. And I love Jesus always does this. He gives illustration. Illustrations are so powerful. What illustration is he using in this passage of scripture? What is he using to illustrate to the woman what she needs? What is it? Water. You can't live without water. We cannot live without water. Fish cannot live without water. They need it. But we're so amped up on the wrong thing. In life, people are looking for the wrong spiritual water. You know, they're looking for the idea the world has to offer. But Jesus says, if you knew the gift that I have, it's a spring of water that's going to keep on springing up into everlasting life. So he begins to present the truth. And from there, with the outline, the scripture, the illustrations, he gives as the water, as the true water of life. Awesome illustrations in the Bible. We see illustrations of the sheep and the vine and the tree and, and the stream. You follow me? Why did Jesus do that? Because we're people and we need things illustrated in a simplistic way so we can better understand. So if you're gonna give your testimony, make sure you give the gospel and troll it real nice and slow. And while you're doing it, make sure you have an outline so you know where you're going. Present the truth and love with the scripture and illustrations to better understand it. It's such a wonderful thing when you can give a verse and illustrate it in some way. It's so important. Are y'all following me? Did I lose y'all? Don't fall asleep, okay? Because here we go. Last, here we go. You ready? I got two things. Step five. Now, obviously, we know that Jesus right now, he's starting to troll to the truth. He's pulling it in. He's pulling it in the net. Presents the truth and love. Man, he knows where he's going. He's got an illustration. He's got this, he is the truth. He's the gospel. He's got everything laid out. He's got her just where she needs to be. But then something happens, and this happens so often. You guys that fish, you'll know what I mean. This happens with nets and everything. Step five, don't get snagged. Don't get snagged. Look at this. If they cast their net in the wrong spot and they get snagged on something, what's going to happen to the net? It's going to tear. tear. They're going to lose control. Fish are going to swim away. 
Something's distracting it. Something's pulling. It's called stumbling blocks. Some of you are big stumbling blocks on Facebook. You don't know how to control your mouth, and it shows on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? I am not a fan of Facebook. God knows I love it when it's helping people, but I don't like it when you're throwing it out there like bait, like Satan, seeing how many of the predators will come and nibble on it. That's wrong. Where we're prevent- hey, we're causing stumbling blocks in people's lives, and we're ripping nets. And these people that are so close to knowing Jesus Christ are swimming away because you split the net. Don't get, get, don't get a snag. And let me tell you, the devil wants to snag your net from pulling people into Christ. Oh, yeah, you, you cast it. Hey, you dove right into the conversation. You cast your net forth. Man, you, you, you're strolling along to the truth. And then something snags. Where's the snag here in the word of God? Look with me. In John chapter, John chapter 4 and verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Really? <laughs> Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. What? Wait, what? All right, you're clueless. You've, you've got five husbands, your life's all messed up, and you want to talk about where we're going to go to church? You ever met people, you're trying to give them the gospel, and they're like, do you think angels really have wings in heaven? And you're, what? Or you're right by a window, and you're in the prayer room, and somebody walks by and does something real stupid in the window, and then you just lost it. That guy's like, that's a snag. You know what I mean? You, 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 the devil wants to snag things up. And this woman, she gets snagged up. She's, she's trying to get Jesus off. But he's the master fisherman of men. He jumps right back on track. And let me tell you something. When you get a snag, you need to gently reach down, undo that. If you don't do it gently, you'll still rip the net. If you're one of those people. Now, listen, I don't, I don't know what. What does that have to do with anything? Where's your. Anyway, can we get back to what I was talking about? That's not effective. That's not gentle. You ripped your own net. Forget the snag. You are pulling on it till it rips. And Jesus wasn't that way. He was gentle. Check this out. The woman believed me. He says, woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship you know not what. Then he goes on. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour. But the hour cometh. And now is when the true worshipers shall come shall worship the Father in spirit and in I love truth. Remember, he's trolling to the truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman saith unto him, I know that the uh, Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Oh, she's so ready. He just got the snag loose. She's like, all right. Okay. He's like, get back on track. Let me show you something. Listen, you don't even know what you're worshiping. We do. Salvations of the Jews. I'm going to give you something. Remember I said in the beginning, I got a gift for you? Let me give it to you. Don't worry about all that stuff. Here we go. You ready? She said, wait, wait. I think I, I, know, where you're, I know where you're going. I know about the Messiah. When he comes, he's going to tell us all things. Okay, now we're back on track. And then he gives it to her. You ready? He, pulls, he, he starts to do number six. Pull them in. Now it's time to get it in the boat. Jesus saith unto her. You ready? Next verse, 26. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am what? I'm he. Oh, what'd she do? Did you see her kneel down? No, immediately in her heart she believed because action took place. She said, I know the Messiah is coming. He said, I I am the Messiah. 
I'm, have you not heard of me? And he's not literally saying this, but I'm probably, he's probably thinking, I, I, I've been raising the dead, healing the sick. Now I stopped all the way over here because I want you to see the truth. I want to help you. I want to relieve you. And he's starting to pull the net in now, and she's in the boat. There's safety in the boat. Hey, when the storm was raging, the disciples were fearing who was in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. In that security, what's the best example of a boat that brought salvation? Noah's Ark. I'm going to tell you something. What an illustration. And he pulls them in. And he finishes with the truth that I am he and pulls her in. And then the woman then left her water pots and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Is this not the Christ? Hey, I'm going to tell you something. People in life are in so many different areas. The big city of Columbus, you got Canal, you got different areas just in this location. You go to Alabama, you got little places like I grew up and actually grew up in Somerville, Alabama, little town of Somerville. We didn't have Walmart or nothing. My parents still live there. People in their own little worlds, people with so many different needs. You know what I'm saying? Nobody knows what they're going through. They just so, they're so busy moving along. Do they even know where they're going? Is this fish thinking to himself, all right, all right, all right, I'm going over here. All right, I've already been here. There's glass there. I can't go through there. What are they thinking? Seriously. That's people every day. All right, I'm going to Starbucks. I want to get a Starbucks. I'm going back to work, going back to bed, going back to Starbucks, going back to work, going back. This is our life. Where's your purpose? What is your, what is your purpose? What are you doing? Now, I got a fish in my office. His name's Watson. Man, he, he, that dude will never die. I mean, I, I feel like he will live forever. You know why? He's a beta. Those beta fish, you can throw them in the toilet, let them spend a whole week there, and then be like, all right, hey, Watson, let's go back in here. You can put them anywhere you want. They're just like, oh, they love it. They're like, my, they're like my big dog, Hank. He's just, oh, daddy, I love you, daddy. I love you. I'm going to tell you something, what's going to happen, though. Why are they doing that? They need the water. They can't live without that water. Now, they don't understand what's going on while they're swimming in the water. People are going through life every day thinking they have real purpose because they're a CEO. Maybe they got some job they always wanted. And they're just swimming in circles until they hit about 75, 85, 95, and then life's over. That little span, short span of life, it's over. What they think is their need, their supply, this water, is not the true answer. See, this water over time is going to evaporate, and they will die. Watson, after about three weeks, I notice his, his tank goes down about here, and he's thinking, Daddy, put some water in. They need water that will last forever. They need truth. You need to dive in. This Easter, dive right in. Cast your net. Start trolling to the truth and pulling them in with love and your testimony and an outline and scripture and illustrate to them how much God loves them. And then when the moment's right and the Holy Spirit pricks their heart, you can pull them into safety before it's too late. But who's going to do it? It's sad that we don't get stirred up until bad things happen. Right? 
You all with me? Does that bother you? Does it bother you that I did that? Hmm. Let me ask you a question. If it bothered you, why are you still in your seat? You lie. It didn't bother you. They're feeder fish to you, right? They're the ones you bump into at Starbucks. They're going in circles every day. And then somebody finally says, hey, I think I'll pass out one of those cards for the Easter experience. Are they okay now? Yeah. Not because you sat in your seat, because you got out of your seat. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. Why? Because there's not too many, right? There's not too many that will say, hey, I'm going to get up and do something. You know what most people do? They just watch and say, man, it's a shame. It is a shame. Did you just look? That is a shame. They don't have a clue what they're doing. Yeah, I'll get a venti iced coffee with five pumps of vanilla and six pumps of classic, light ice, a little cream on the side. Man, that is a shame. Y'all have a good day. Would you please go? I'm going to church. It is Easter Sunday. We have, we have soldiers in costume with dresses on. You don't see that every day. Would you please? Well, well hello. Welcome to fellow. Oh, you're the home. Next greeter. That's the guy I just beat my horn at. It's the one I ran into and saw flopping around and saying, I just need an answer. And they finally came here. And somebody else had to pick them up because you were too busy going, oh, I just can't believe that's going on. People are going to die and go to hell. You know what I'm saying? People are going to hell? Well, just look at them flopping around there. They just don't know what they're doing in life. They need some, somebody to do something. Somebody be a bus captain. Can't you see they're dying? Somebody, somebody take that Sunday school class. Somebody do what Pastor Chris said this morning. Somebody do something. Why don't you do something? Get up and be a fisher of men. 